Good morning, you chatty bunch of people. Good morning, Lifehouse. Morning, how are we? We good? Oh, it's always good to be here in church. Walter gave the thumbs up. Any thumbs up around the place? Yes. Got a thumbs up from Kane, from Belle. We're happy to be here in the house of the Lord. <laughs> well, I hope you had a good week, even though the weather was awfully confusing, wasn't it? It's meant to be 27 degrees one day and it was like bucketing down with rain. So weird. But, um, you know, we are in our final series, our final strong and courageous series for the year. Oh my gosh, I just feel like that has gone so quickly. Next week, we're beginning our Christmas series. So it's like, what the heck? Christmas is nearly here. It's like less than a month away and it's Christmas. Who feels like the year has just gone so quick? So, so quick. So the series is, are we there yet? So I guess the answer is yes, nearly. We got like another... 35, 40 minutes or so, and then we were like, you know, we're there. No, um, the whole aim of this series has kind of been the opposite of that. It's really trying to get the news out there. Hey, being strong and courageous, which is what we've been talking about for the whole year, that's not just for this year. You know, when 2024 ticks over, it's not like, oh, you know, we don't need to be strong and courageous anymore. No, if this is a call. Come on, let's continue to be strong and courageous. Let's continue to lean on God and not our own understanding. He's got so much more in store for you and in store for us as a community. Um, and so we want to be asking the question, you know, are we there yet? What, what is there that God still has for us that we aren't yet walking in? <clears throat> so this morning, I thought I'd change things up a little bit. And rather than talking about Joshua, we're going to be talking about a guy called Jacob. So you might have heard that God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're going to be looking at this third guy here this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jacob. Jacob. We are talking about Jacob. This guy, he is, he is an interesting guy. I don't know if you've ever read his story before in the Bible, but he is one of the most cheeky, audacious guys in the whole Bible. Jacob said, this Jacob here says that's true. Um, and, you know, first we read about him, it's, he's kind of being cheeky and audacious right from the very beginning. And that's when he was being born. Um, and we read about the story in Genesis 25 when um, Rebecca, Jacob's mum, was pregnant with him and his brother. So it says in verse 22, the babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb, just as God had said. The first came out, the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they called him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob. Good work. Isaac was six years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So Jacob literally means heel grasper, heel catcher, which also kind of meant a bit of a trickster or a rascal. So unfortunately, Jacob kind of 
lived up to this name, but we're going to be looking into different situations in his life and hopefully, hopefully learning a, a few things about him. He seemed to try and get the most out of every situation and try and work everything towards his good. But um, why don't we just pray and ask God to, to move and to speak and really do what only he can do. Father God, we come before you now. Lord, we thank you for the unique journeys that you have taken each of us on. Some of us who have been on the journey with you for a very long time and some of us who might not yet have started that journey. And we just ask, Lord, that you'll be here, that you'll grab us by the hand and you'll lead us where we need to go. Every single one of us, Lord, I pray that we'll each take a step closer to you. I thank you, Lord, that you paid a great price, paid a great price to step in close to us when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And right now we thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and that you are here, that you are moving, that you live within every single one of us. So Jesus, we just give this time over to you. We say, come and have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Has there ever been a time in your life Will you try to do something that you probably should have trusted someone else to do? You know, maybe like you gave yourself a haircut um, and later realised, oh my gosh, what have I done? I should have trusted the hairdresser. Anyone have one of those moments before? What about um, anyone who tried to fix something around the home that was a bit broken and then you realise I'm not really a handyman and end up with the worse situation than before? Anyone ever? Anyone? Yeah. So... A few months ago, my mum gave me this here, not this music stand, she gave me this, it's a beautiful present, it's actually really heavy, um, and you probably can't read it, but on, oh maybe I'll put it here, all of these little things sticking on here are Bible verses that as um, a teenager, when I had been freshly filled with the Holy Spirit and set on fire for God, I, I made it my mission to memorize as much of the Bible as I could. And so I'd write all these Bible verses out and I'd stick them around my bed and just every day go through them. <clears throat> I um, moved out of home and I took the Bible verses with me in my heart, but I left all of these for mum just to remind her of me. Um, and so... I think it was probably only a couple months ago that mum collated all of this and she put it together in this beautiful frame as a present for me. And um, I was so, so excited when she gave it to me. Um, I thought it was so, so sweet. And I'm like, I have got the perfect place that I want to hang this huge, heavy frame up. And that was um, in my study. And I thought, oh, I'll just put this, you know, above the couch there and every time I'm in there and writing sermons I can look at it and and read the word and be inspired um and the issue is um I kind of you know I lived by myself for a while and I got into the habit of doing things myself rather than asking someone else to come and help me like displaying artwork if you'd been in my home, you would see that there was all these things like wedged between something else to try and make it stand up or like leaning against something so that I could have the artwork there without actually using a tool or like putting up a photo frame the way that you're meant to. And so I kind of thought, well, I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need my husband to help me put this frame up. I'm going to display it 
right now because it's so beautiful and I just want to put it in my house straight away. Um, and so I was like looking at my study and this, this um, couch that was against the wall and I thought, you know, I reckon this will be p- pretty secure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sit this on the back of the couch and um, I'm just going to lean it against the wall here, you know, for extra stability. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'll put it on a little bit of an angle, you know, so that it's kind of leaning against the wall and, and then it'll be fine. You know, maybe it'd look better if it was a bit higher up, but hey, let's just do it right now and I can do it myself. So I did it. Um, and look, it looked okay. I was pretty chuffed that it was displayed. But one day, a few weeks from this point when I'd put this up on my couch, I was sitting down. I think I was, I don't know if I was writing a sermon. I was doing something on my laptop, studying something or whatever. And out of the blue, this humongous, heavy glass photo literally fell down and cracked me over the back of my head. It, I, I was in absolute shock. It was like someone came up. This had glass here before, right? No glass right now. It was, it's, it's like someone came up with a glass bottle and just went wham over the head. Like it fell down and I had glass shattered all around me. And I was like looking around like, what just happened? You know, touching the back of my head to see if I had blood coming out or something. I think I had mild concussion, but I was okay. And I'm like, man, people think they've been Bible bashed. That's Bible bashed. I was... I was definitely Bible bashed. You know, sometimes it pays to trust someone else and to not always take things into your own hands, right? I learned that the hard way. Sometimes it can literally come crashing down on your own head when you try and take things into your own hands. And this morning, we're going to see what we can learn from Jacob's life and looking at three significant moments when he tried to take his blessing and his future into his own hands, when he tried to make things happen himself. And hopefully we'll find by the end that he decided to trust God. So the first of Jacob's story we read is in Genesis 25. And um, Jacob, he was a bit of a mama's boy. He liked to be home, he liked cooking, he liked hanging around in the household. Whereas Esau, you know, this big red hairy guy, he liked the wilderness. He liked going out and catching things with his bare hands and uh, ripping it with his teeth. No, it doesn't say that, but, you know, just take some creative liberty there. Um, But it says this in in, um, Genesis 25 verse 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, he was home, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. I love the drama. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. It was like he'd been planning this moment, like the way that he just like, he just thinks of it so quickly and says it. It's like he'd been planning, okay, I'm just going to stand here over a steaming bowl of stew when he comes in and I'm going to look at him over the steam and say, I've been waiting for you. It's like one of those those weird moments. And so um, Esau replies, oh, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob was like, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. 
you might have heard of hangry before. You know, when you're so hungry, you become angry. Have you heard of Cupid? When you're so hungry, you become a little stupid. <laughs> Esau had a Cupid moment here. He was so hungry that he, his brains just flew out the window. But, you know, it also symbolises that he cared so little about his birthright that he was willing to just give it away to please his flesh with this bowl of stew. He was willing just to say, huh, I don't need that spiritual blessing. I've got stew. And that's why the Bible says that he despised his birthright because he, he didn't care about it. He didn't care enough about this blessing. But do you know that that birthright wasn't actually Esau's to give? Remember in verse 23 when God was talking with um, Rebecca. He said, the older shall serve the younger, meaning that Esau was going to serve Jacob. This means Jacob already had the blessing from God. God had already chosen that Jacob was the one who was going to have the birthright. Usually the firstborn, they get the double inheritance They get to rule their father's household, which means all the servants and all the other brothers and sisters, they they all um, bow down. They all respond and, and serve the eldest. But God changed things around for Jacob and Esau. And so by saying that the older will serve the younger, he was saying that Jacob was his chosen person for this spiritual blessing of the birthright. Which means this little transaction that happened here over a bowl of stew should not have happened. Not because Jacob wasn't meant to have the blessing and the birthright, but because Jacob already had the blessing and the birthright. It's kind of like, you know when your dad's searching for his glasses and they're sitting right on top of his head the whole time? Anyone ever done that before? The other day, I was... (laughs) People are pointing to... (laughs) The other day, I was on the phone to my mum and I was walking around the home frantically searching for my phone. (laughs) Like looking high and low. I'm like, mum, I just just can't. And I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Ever done that before? Sometimes we can look so hard for something that we've already got. Instead of trusting God that he had already blessed him, Instead of resting in that blessing, Jacob decided to put in a whole lot of effort to manipulate his brother to get something that he already had. Sometimes we can fight hard for things that God has already given us. Like working our butts off for extra income when God provides all our needs like trying to find a partner in life so that we don't feel alone, even though God has promised that he will never leave us and never forsake us. Like trying to justify ourselves and our past and our sins through serving and sacrificial loving, even though God has already forgiven us. Like trying to gain the approval of our friends or our our family and trying to please people. Even though God says, I love you and I am pleased with you. Like trying every remedy under the sun for peace when Jesus says, my peace I give you. 
What has God already given you that you're trying to fight for yourself? That you're trying to make happen yourself? Is it peace? Provision? Protection? Justification? We're going to turn and look at the second part of Jacob's story. And I'm going to invite up Murray Hansen to read this Bible verse if you want to welcome him up. Good morning, everybody. I was looking at this verse after Tash um, sent it to me and I noticed on the uh, Bible app that it's got a play button. And I thought, what's to stop me from coming up here and just, you know, playing it from my phone? But <laughs> Tash is a step ahead of me and she's got it here on the iPad, so... I'll use the voice that uh, God has given me, and I'll read from the book of Genesis, chapter 27, one to th- uh, verses 1 to 33, in the NIV version. So when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some food, some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Oops. Sorry. Old people and technology. Okay. Uh, So I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way... Oh, sorry. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and let them, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes for Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them in on her on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. 
Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognise him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that, that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. Thank you, Mario. So from here, Jacob runs away. Well, he's kind of sort of sent away, but he is freaking out because Esau, his brother, is breathing murderous threats against him. And so he runs away to this guy called Laban, who ends up becoming his father-in-law. Um, but Laban ends up tricking the trickster um, because Jacob falls in love with this beautiful girl called Rachel. And Laban says, all right, you can have her, but you have to work seven years. And so he works seven years. And then instead of marrying her, Jacob tricks, sorry, he's, what's his name? Laban. <laughs> Laban tricks Jacob and he switches the sisters around and Jacob ends up marrying the older sister, Leah, and he has to work a whole another seven years for the love of his life. And he ends up uh, um, at this place with Laban for 20 years. That's a long time. It's a, it's a long time to be separated from his family and from his land. But he is blessed. He gets 12 children. He has heaps of wealth. But it did come at a cost. You know, there's always an added cost when you take things into your own hands that were meant to stay in God's. Like being whacked over the head with a glass frame. Um, this whole story of Jacob and his family is honestly quite messy. It is filled with people's flesh and their sin getting in the way. To start off with, God had already promised Jacob this blessing, right? Yet 
his dad Isaac was still going to bless Esau just because he really liked the guy. Even though Esau, as we learnt, despised his birthright. He cared so little about it that he decided, I'll just give it over for a bowl of stew. In in the chapter before, in chapter 26, the last bit of the verse um, tells us that Esau married foreign wives who worshipped foreign gods. And these wives, it says in that verse that they were endless grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So Esau wasn't necessarily walking in the ways of God. So it's kind of like, why? Why were you doing this, Isaac? And then the other why is why the heck did Rebekah, a God-fearing woman, put in all this effort to scheme and trick her husband? And why did Jacob, a God-fearing man, agree to tricking his dad into blessing him? And of course, why did Esau, even though he had promised with an oath that his brother could have his birthright, why did he still to go, go to cash in that blessing? It was just this, this total mess from all four family members. They were all scheming and cheating and lying and tricking and breaking promises. The whole while, probably justifying it, saying, oh, you know, I'm just doing what, what God's will is. No one trusted each other. But more importantly... No one seemed to trust God. And before we shake our heads too much at these guys, we've got to admit that sometimes we're a bit like that too. Yesterday was the wedding, as we heard before, of the wonderful Mitch and Danica Smith. Um, And so during the week, I went out to buy them a card, um, which is what you normally do. Um, You buy them a wedding card. Um, and I found one that I really loved, who was really beautiful and, and simplistic. And I was like, oh, you know, this looks really good. So I just, I just grabbed it off the shelf. Um, but then yesterday, when I went to write in this card, I realized that um, I'd grabbed something that was really not that helpful. Uh, here's the card I got. You got the photo? So you guys can see it straight away. I, it's really quite obvious now that I look at it, but I thought it said Mr. and Mrs. I was wrong. And then I was like, oh, and there's even two little birds there. They're both wearing little suits. Uh-oh. Mr. and Mr. <laughs> Have you ever grabbed onto something thinking that you were getting the right thing? To later find out, oh, that wasn't really that helpful. It always ends up costing something, like the embarrassment of writing on an S with a black pen. (laughs) I did that. Uh. Whoops. They'll probably find that out today. (laughs) Sorry if they're watching later. Jacob, he grasped, he clutched, he grabbed onto his brother's heel. What is your knee-jerk reaction when you feel forgotten or when you feel like your life isn't moving the way that you want it to? What do you grab a hold of? What's there that you, you take? What is the card that you pick up that really isn't that helpful? We can all too quickly bend the truth to get what we want. We can criticise or gossip about someone else so that we look a bit more favourable. We can cut corners, steal, spend beyond our means. 
We can neglect the Sabbath and overwork. We can pick up unhealthy habits to try and get us through. We can use anger or harsh cutting words to get our way. We can complain and grumble. We can enter into relationships that aren't healthy or godly. We can manipulate a situation so that it bends in our favour. We can try and work for our salvation. We can depend on alcohol or other substances. We can retreat and isolate ourselves or end up spending way too much time just watching screens. We can try and defend ourselves when someone speaks bad about us. We can build up a fence and cut people off. We can walk away from God altogether. There's all these things that we can grab a hold of when we feel like things aren't going the way that we want it to and try and make them gain a bit of control, you know, try and change the the narrative and change the story ourselves. But we end up grabbing a hold of things that most of the time just don't really help. Only there is something, someone so much better to grab onto. And this morning we have a testimony for you to watch and it's going to be on the screens um, from the amazing Elizabeth Cameron. If we can roll that. Good morning church. I'm Elizabeth Cameron. I was brought up in the church as a child. I've been in the church all of my life and um, my mum took me to Sunday school and church and we all went as a family. While I was in the Lutheran church, I guess I was always seeking God because at times when circumstances got hard, I'd say, what's wrong with me? I want to run, I want to escape. Say, God, I'm weird, what is wrong with me? I didn't have an answer. I would say that all the time. I felt saying to God, I didn't have any hope. And I went to various courses and did lots of things in the church for healing. But it wasn't, I had prayer out the front, it took some time. And eventually one day when Ray was praying for me, I felt God was saying that I was abused by my father. And um, Bob Plusky confirmed that. And I thought, well, I don't remember any of that, but Ray said, well, you do black those things out sometimes. And so that's why, because of the pain and all of that from that. So yeah, it was a process. I had to work through that. I had to ask God to heal me, to help me. It was a long process, not an easy road, but I think anybody that has pain in their life, it's not an instant thing for everyone. Some people it is. Other people, it's a process. You need to spend time with God. I mean, after that happened, God, I remember being in the, in the Bible study that God gave me this gift of the word of knowledge and I didn't even know I had it. And God used me in that, in the church when it was very young. I think the most wonderful thing that's happened to me since Leon has gone, you know, I was angry with God for not healing him too, but. Um, is playing on YouTube, which I didn't even know was available, praise and worship songs. That has helped me so much. God showed me his outstretched arms of love and his glory was just shining from him. And and that was amazing. And I didn't even think about it, but when I shared it with Jackie, she said, wow, God really loves you. Because I used to say to her, I never feel worthy. don't feel like that and she'd say yes you are you are worthy she always can tell me those things and re you know reinforce it and so she's been 
such an encouragement to me. I'm sure that she's like a mentor to me, really. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's really beautiful, but, you know, there's been a lot of pain as well that Elizabeth has um, had to deal with. And because of that pain in her life... um, she too was kind of clutching onto a hill and, um, yeah, I was able to be there and hear her tell the whole story, which obviously we can't play, but um, she was sharing how when things in her life got hard, she would, she would feel like she just needed to run away and she would look back in her life and try and remember some things and she'd explained it just like thinking black, like she just couldn't see. It was like her, her pain was so deep and so hard that she'd push some some memories and some trauma from her past so deep inside of her that she couldn't even remember it until that day when God revealed it to her and um, and then she had to go through the process when she remembered these things of rather than going back to her old habits of ignoring or pushing it down or isolating herself or running away from actually doing that to instead going up to God and saying, God, I need healing. God, I need your loving outstretched arms to come and cover me. And it's been this process though, as she shared, it wasn't just an overnight thing. It was this this thing that she had to go through where she had to cling and keep on clinging to God to find this, this freedom and to discover his love and his grace that has actually been there for her, for her entire life. But she did, she had to keep on clinging onto God. And so as we continue with Jacob's story, we're up to the third significant moment of his life. But I'm really glad because this one is a little bit different. And so I'm going to invite up wherever he is, Ollie. Is there an Ollie Lynette? Oh, he's right in front of me. Come on up, Ollie. He's going to read this last bit of this passage. Hey, guys. Hello. So Genesis 32, verse 22 to 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penile, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Penile, and he was limping because of his hip. Thank you. So, although Jacob asked for a blessing once more, there was actually a difference in the way he asked this time. And we know that because of Hosea 12, which talks about this moment. In verse 4, it says, He, meaning Jacob, struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favour. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. Who was it? The Lord God Almighty. The Lord is his name. 
Jacob this time wasn't standing tall and lofty thinking that, you know, I'm going to try and make this way for myself and, and manipulate and steal. No, he came weeping and begging, humbly and desperately coming before God. And we know that it's God who tackled him. It wasn't just any old man. It wasn't just an angel. It was God in human flesh who came down just to tackle Jacob. How special is that? Just for this short moment in history, he came down and In case there's any doubt, Hosea writes it there. The Lord God Almighty is his name. It was the Lord who came and started wrestling Jacob. But instead of trying to fight for himself, like Jacob had done his entire life, Jacob finally surrenders himself to God and clings Onto him with all of his might, knowing that this man right here is the only one who can satisfy him, the only one who has all the answers that he needs, the only one that he needs is this man. Finally, instead of fighting for himself, Jacob clings onto the one who has been fighting for him since he was even in his mother's womb. This man, God was fighting for him. We shouldn't be fighting for ourselves. We should be clinging onto the one who is fighting for us. Even though Jacob had been so blessed, right before um, this wrestle, Ollie was reading that he sent off all his possessions. He sent off his wives and his kids and, and everything that he had. He had great wealth. But still, Jacob was asking for more. He was like, please, I'm not going to let you go. And, you know, that's kind of the same thing he's done his his whole life. He already had a blessing, and yet he was still fighting for another blessing. But there was a difference. What was Jacob desiring? In Hosea, it doesn't say that he was asking for God's blessing. He was asking for God's blessing. Favor, And this word favor in Hebrew, it means mercy and grace. He wanted God's proximity. He wanted God's closeness. But he also knew that he was a sinner and that he needed God's favor, his mercy, his grace upon his life, his forgiveness. And he acknowledged with weeping and begging that he just needed God. Yes, he had all those things, but he's like, I, those, I, I need you, God. You is what I need. He dropped the, I'm going to fight so that I make sure I'm blessed. And instead just said, I need your grace. I need your favor. Jacob's greatest win in the wrestle wasn't that he got another blessing. What he said as he left, he said, I have seen God face to face and lived. His win was this closeness and this proximity with God. His win was getting to see his heavenly father, the creator of the universe, and experience his favour. He never, Jacob never had the favour of his father. His father always favoured his older brother. He always favoured Esau. And so he had this wound, this deep longing and craving to be loved. 
craving to be seen, craving to be chosen. And God comes down from heaven to wrestle, to grab a hold of him and to say to him that he loves him and that he's been fighting for him his whole life, even though Jacob had no idea and had been putting in all this effort to try and make it himself. God came down and he said, no, I've chosen you. I've blessed you. I've called you Israel. I'm making you into a great nation. And you know, God has done the same thing for us. He could have stayed up in heaven, living his good life with the angels, but he came down, not just for a moment as a man, but he came down as a little baby born at Christmas time in a manger. And he lived this life that we could never live, a life of perfection. And he died on the cross. Why? So that we could have proximity with him, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know that he has been fighting for us. He has been waving your flag in the heavens saying, I love you. I have chosen you. I have favoured you. I have poured out my blessing upon you. You don't need to strive. You don't need to try and make it yourself. You can drop the fight. You can drop all those bowls of stew that you're trying to win and manipulate and and carry yourself and the things that you've been clinging onto, the fear and the doubt and the worry. You can drop all of that. And he says, just cling on to me. Cling on to me. And that's my prayer this morning that if you feel like you have forgotten the wrestle, or maybe you have never even engaged in that wrestle, maybe you've never said, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. I need your grace and mercy and your favour. I pray this morning that this morning you engage in the wrestle with God. He came down to find you. It wasn't Jacob who started the wrestle. God came down and he, He started it. And He started it with you. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for a a couple of people this morning and maybe you acknowledge, heck, I'm a whole lot like Jacob and I have been fighting for myself. I've been fighting so hard at uni to get the grades that I need because I'm fearing that I'm not going to have enough. Maybe you're like, I have been working myself to the bone at work because I'm fearing that I'm not going to be able to provide. Maybe you've been clinging on to things that are not healthy Habits, alcohol, addictive substances, things that, that you have felt like you've needed to get you through this time and you've been clinging on to it. This morning, God is saying, I'm right here. I will satisfy you. I will provide your every need. I will give you peace, protection, provision, justification, whatever it is you need. God is our provider. Jesus has already provided. We can drop the fight and pick up the wrestle with God. So if that's you, we just close your eyes around the place and I want to invite you to raise your hand and just say, yep, I, I've been fighting for myself. I've been trying to make things happen by my flesh. I've been trying to pin up paintings on the wall and, 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 I, and I can't do it anymore. I've been whacked on the head a few too many times and, and I, I need God. 
I need to cling on to Him again this morning. So if that's you, just reach out your hands in front of you or put your hands up to the heaven to grab a hold of God. He's grabbing a hold of you. He is right here. He's standing before you. Oh, Father God, I pray for everyone who's reaching out before you. And I thank you, Jesus, that even before they knew how to, that you were already reaching for them, that you were already waving this flag of favour over their lives, that you saw them in their mother's womb, that you knitted them together and that you said, I love you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. You are so precious to God. If God cares for the sparrows and knows when even one of them dies, He knows and He cares for you and your every need. There is no need that you have that God doesn't know about. That is a word for someone. There is no need that you have that God doesn't know about. He knows your every need and He says, I will provide. I am providing. I pray right now, God, for your supernatural peace to be upon every person as they reach out their hands to you, God. Let them know I don't need to fight for myself. I can trust the one who is fighting for me. And this week, Lord, I thank you that you aren't just confined in these four walls, that you paid a great price so that you can live inside of each one of us. And I pray that as we leave this place, that we leave knowing we walk in the will of God, that we walk in the peace of God and that we walk with God Himself. God is with you. God is with you. He is for you. And He loves you so much more than you can ever even imagine. So much more. Oh, Father God, I thank you for your presence here right now, that you are wrapping your arms around your chosen children. You're pouring out your peace, your love, your fulfillment. And I pray, God, right now that everything that we've been clinging on to will just drop off our lives. Depression, anxiety, fear, addictions, God, let it. Let it hit the floor. Let it, let it drop off of us right now as we know that all we need is you. Let the things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of seeing you face to face. And right now I want to invite, if anyone hasn't ever given your life to Jesus and you haven't ever engaged in that fight with him, in that wrestle, and you're saying, oh, I need to give my life over to Jesus. I just want to invite you to raise your hand right now. And I want to just pray for you. If that's you, if you're watching on the live stream, yeah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. If there's anyone else, I want to invite you. Yes. I need Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you for the people who are reaching out to you right now. Oh, you love them. And so if that's you, Will you just repeat after me either out loud or in your heart and maybe all of those who are already Christian, let's just say it out loud as well to support those people. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for forgiving me, for loving me and for choosing me. And right now in this moment, I choose you. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. I cling on to you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh, please, let's just put our hands together for those people who made that decision. God is so good and He is moving. He is the provider of our every need. And right now we're going to go into worship and I encourage you to keep praying, keep seeking, keep clinging onto God. If you feel like you've dropped that wrestle, like let's, let's pick it up right now. Let's go after God because He is here. He is with us.